Ephesians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And this is God's word. Last week, uh, Chris raised the question, what should a woman do? Today, it's what should a man do when your wife is cranky, when she's controlling, when she's uh, uh, kind of angry with you, when she's quarrelsome, uh, when she's uh, got a headache. What should a man do? So uh, uh, at our house, uh, if you come by and you see me sitting on our roof, you'll know that Jolene's inside and she's a little quarrelsome. If you know Proverbs, you'll laugh at that. Uh, The reality is, uh, we're going to talk about, in my opinion, the most significant human relationship in life. If we can't get it here, if we can't get it right here, uh, this is where God wants to bring himself glory and honor, is in this relationship between a husband and wife. And, you know, some of you aren't married, I know that. Some of you have been married and would like to be married again. I understand all of that, but we're, our time today is just going to focus on this subject of marriage. And uh, so whether you look forward to it, look back to it, giving thanks for what God provided, whatever, uh, let's give our attention today to the Word and how it speaks to this issue of husbands uh, loving their wives. Before we get there, though, I want to give you a little background. Uh, when I got married, I was not a believer and for five or six years, it, it wasn't certain that our marriage would make it because I was a selfish pig. Uh, I, I got married for one reason, to get my wife to meet my selfish needs and expectations. That's, that what, was, that's what marriage was about. And, and I have to confess this, that's all I knew marriage was to be. That's what the blindness and the darkness that comes to the human mind from the enemy, the God of this world, it, it's what guys without Christ think. It's how we live our lives. And so I'm so grateful that God delivered us, that God uh, saved us, and, and that uh, the true of the scripture could come into our lives and transform my life and, and our marriage. Some of you maybe, you know, kind of followed that same pattern. Maybe you weren't believers when you got married and somehow by the grace of God you came to know Jesus and, and He's transforming you as I speak. Some of you uh, maybe have, have had troubles in your marriage. You were believers, but everything didn't work out well. Sin crept in. You, you had struggles. Your marriage failed. Things do happen in life. 
Some of you uh, maybe grew up in the church and you knew all about this and it captivated your heart and mind as a young person and you entered marriage and God has blessed and given you this great relationship that honors and glorifies Him. So praise God for that. You know, over uh, the last five to six years in our marriage, Jolene and I have had the privilege of discipling not only couples, but church leaders around our country. And I can give you this testimony. We have not counseled one, discipled one couple that has not suffered to some degree, large or small, the effects of the fall uh, and the consequences of sin in the relationship. And so why I say this is the most important relationship in life is, is this is where God wants to work in your life, men, in your life, women, to glorify himself most profoundly. So with that in mind, what I'd like to do is, is go back and look just for a moment at the curse, the fall, and, and what problems that brought into relationships, and then we'll build on what God has done to overcome that through uh, his teaching in the book of Ephesians. So join me just very briefly in Genesis 3. We read these words about uh, the judgment, the consequences that came to the woman as a result of her sin. To the woman, he said, your desire, that's a key word, desire, shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. This understand this this is the first marriage before the fall how was it in the garden it was perfect they had a perfect spiritual relationship because we know they walked with god how every day face to face they had a perfect emotional relationship there was no anger there was no conflict there was no nitpicking there was no nagging there were no honeydew lists none of that existed Everything was perfect. Uh, They were perfect as well, physically. Their relationship, I mean, he was a hunk and she was a hot babe. And God just, you know, I mean, it couldn't have been better. But after the fall, everything changed. And and the truth here in the scripture is that God's curse brought to the woman this this, uh, desire now. And and the word means to dominate, to to stand against, to uh, literally... uh, um, dominate. Uh, and the reason I know that is if you go to the next chapter in Genesis, the fourth chapter, where we see Cain being tempted to kill his brother, uh, the same word is used there, the same desire. Sin was controlling, one to dominate his life. And so that's one of the curses that women live under as a result of the fall. The second one is that as a result also of the fall, she would live under the ruler or authority of her husband. Uh, Understand uh, that just the way life is, God is a God of order. He's put all people in some kind of relationship where there is order, there is uh, some kind of authority over them. Uh, So that was in play. But this desire would sinfully interact with the woman in her life. Uh, Before we move on, I want to say one thing about this. this, this dominion for a woman to be under the leadership of her husband is only and exclusively in regard to her marriage and her husband. This is not all women under all men. If you go to the Hebrew, the verbs and the personal pronouns in these sentences are singular. So, ladies, the only man that you are to uh, come under, the only person in your life in, in, in this particular way that you're to be responsive under his leadership is your marriage. Not me, not men in general, your husband. 
Wives, be submitted, or as we'll learn in a moment, but you're under his leadership and authority. Let's move on and look at the judgment that came to man. It says, man now, because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The judgment that came upon man uh, dealt with provision of food for his wife and his family. Uh, before they could just walk around in this beautiful garden, pick this delectable, just great fruit to eat, healthy, I mean, succulent, just perfect fruit. All they had to do was pick it and eat it. But they sinned by eating against the one, or eating of the one tree God denied them right and access to. And so now the judgment falls on the man that his eating, any food that he puts to his mouth will be the result of his painful toil, thorns and thistles. And, and the pain here is, is hard work. You know, when they were in the garden before this, there weren't calluses, there weren't backaches, there, there wasn't sweat. The, the, the work in the garden prior to the fall was joyful. It was fulfilling. It was enriching. Now it became burdensome and toilsome and, and hard. And, and so the man came under that, and he was to make his living by the sweat of his brow. What, what I want you to see here is the interaction of these two curses. The woman was desirous of, of having control or leadership in the home. The man was put over her. And then God gave the man this challenge to go make a living and to provide food. And it was hard work and it was exhausting. And sometimes he would, he would raise up a crop and a storm would come and destroy it all. And so he had to start over. Uh, just terrible things as a result of that. And, and so man's over here trying to make a living, and wife is frustrated over here that he doesn't show up, he doesn't care for her, he doesn't care for the kids. And that brings us to the sin of marriage today that is so dominant. It's the passive husband who is so absorbed with his job and his work, that's where he gets fulfillment, that's where he spends his energy in life to get his ego stroked and, and to feel of value not in his home with his wife. I lived that sin for six years. I was the poster child for that sin. I'll explain in a moment. Meanwhile, the wife is at home frustrated because he's not leading. He's not there helping, guiding, and she takes over and assumes his leadership role. So we see the reversal of roles. This is the conflict in many relationships that are not followers of Christ in our world today. That's what we deal with. The first six years of our marriage, that's exactly what my life was like. I was the resident veterinarian of the largest beef cattle feedlot in the world. You don't think that strokes your ego? I went to Canada. I went around this country telling people about that place. Man, I was a cool dude. I had all this power. I got to do all this cool stuff. And, and I mean, it stroked my ego. When we opened one of those feedlots, I worked 365 days without a day off. That's how much I thought of my job and how much it filled me up. Nothing at home did. The only thing that I, had, that, 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 that I got engaged in at home is when she spent too much money, I'd get mad at her. That was my leadership spiritually at home. Thank God the Lord delivered us from that. And the passage we're going to look at today really is, is an unfolding of, of God's provision, His solution for this 
cursed condemnation that comes into relationships. And, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, in my opinion, this is the most significant, important human relationship in your life. And God really desires above all that we get it right. And he comes alongside, as we'll see, to help us with that in every way. And he wants to redeem us through this. He wants to deliver us from the curse and, and empower us to, to live uh, pouring out his goodness and love in this relationship toward each other. As Chris uh, dealt with the, 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 the issue of women last week, uh, I'm just going to read those verses quickly. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. And in himself, excuse me, I, the, wife, the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husband. Last week, Chris said it so beautifully and so succinctly. Wives, your role is to submit and to help your husband. And, and that's what this passage calls you to do. Uh, to live under his, order your life under his leadership, spiritual leadership. And guys, we're to be leaders in the home. We're to be spiritual leaders. Uh, and, and we'll learn uh, in a moment just as Jesus did. But we are to submit ourselves to God in a way that he equips us, empowers us, develops us, builds us up to be godly spiritual leaders whom our wives will gladly submit their lives under and come along as helpers alongside us. Uh, be willing to follow. I, I believe with all my heart if we're leading spiritually, as we'll see in a moment, how that's to take place, our wives will gladly order their lives under our leadership and follow us and be all that God called them to be. So guys, it's on us. Uh, you know, last week Chris used this term, uh, dork, slug of a husband. And uh, Chris, uh, I know you're up there, but uh, understand that if there is a line of dork, slug husbands, uh, you're way down at some and I'm at the front. I'm, I'm the number one guy in line as the dork slug of a husband. So uh, I don't know where you guys feel you're at in your relationship, but God's word lays out for us the plan to be all that he wants us to be as a husband in our relationship with our wives. They get three verses, guys. We get nine verses. So we get a lot more attention than they do. So uh, put your ears on, listen up, and uh, let's take a look at what is said to us in this regard to our roles as godly husbands, men redeemed from sin, men who've been delivered. Now we are in a place that God can come into us and, and through the Spirit and His Word transform us into men who can actually do this for our wives. We'll see that in a moment. So the text says in uh, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her. Keep that concept in mind. Sanctification. That's why I say this is the most important relationship in the world because it is in this relationship, men, that you will be sanctified before God and your wife will be sanctified before Him as well. We're going to spend one session in the marriage seminar on this idea of bringing holiness, building holiness and sanctification into your relationship. We'll give you some tools and ways to accomplish that, to root out the sin and to find uh, the holiness, the sanctity that, that, that he wants, the righteousness that he wants for us. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So husbands, it says, love your wives. 
The word here is agapao, agape. We all know it. We've all heard it probably a thousand times. The word is the unique word that describes God's love. There's other words in the original language to talk about other facets of love, but this word is reserved, was drawn into the, the word of God, especially the New Testament, to describe the love of God. Because God is love, he's able to love. It's, a, it's an expression of his innate being. When we say God is love, whenever he interacts with anyone, he loves them. It's primary. If, if, if we could be next to God, we would feel the radiation of his love. That's what it is. It's godly love. It's intentional. It's of the will. It's, it's a committed love to build up, to raise up, to lift up anyone who needs love. And that's us. That's his people. He so loved the world. He radiates his love out to us that we might be drawn to him and that we might express as we learn and grow in that love to share it with others. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this Hebrew verb, or excuse me, this Greek verb back in Hebrews and Genesis, but this is a Greek verb that's in the present tense. It is active, and it is imperative. That means, number one, it's a command. Uh, There's no getting around that. This is God's command for us, guys, to love our lives in this way, to love our wives. It is a present tense verb, which means it is something that is to go on without break or stop or failure, to continually, habitually, always love. And the second facet of it, it's an active verb, and means the action goes out from the person who's the one to love. It's not sucking love in, it's giving love out. It's pouring love out. You know, Jesus said what? As I have loved you, what? so also love one another. And the reality in the spiritual life is to be immersed in God's love, to be delivered from our selfishness like I've been. I'm not there yet, but, but I'm overcoming. But to be so overwhelmed by the love of God, so full of the love of God that really it emanates out to those around us, especially our wives, to love them as Christ loved the church continually, sacrificially, actively, Day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. That's the command. It's a love that seeks to build them up, whether they're deserving or undeserving, whether they're worthy or unworthy. That's how he loves us. And so it's a love to that degree. The picture of this, and and this is why marriage is such a high... Marriage in in this passage is just such an incredibly high view in the Word of God because it, it, it sets marriage up not as a solution to lust or, or sexual need or anything like that. It's, it's an expression. It's a reflection. It is a testimony to Christ's love for His church and His people. So we have the opportunity in the marriage to reflect and reveal to the world the love of Christ in us men toward our lives and to pour out a testimony of the love of God through our wives and our families to the world. So it's learning uh, to be empowered to love in that way, sacrificial love. It says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, it's a sacrificial love for her that it might sanctify her, cleansing her with the washing of water and the word. And the idea here is Christ died for our sins. His death is adequate and sufficient to redeem us, to cleanse us. And then and the ongoing process is that we grow day by day more and more 
into the fullness of experiencing God's love in Christ and also being able to express and pour out Christ's love to our wives. At times, it's not going to feel like we want to do that. We're going to want to golf instead of watch the kids. We're going we're to want to uh, uh, go hunting instead of help our wives clean the house. There's going to be times that it's going to cost us. And if it isn't costing us something occasionally, guess what? It's probably not that kind of love. Sorry to say. It's not selfish. It's not just about me in this relationship. It's pouring out continually, self-sacrificing for her. Paul expressed all of this as, as, as a result of being washed through regeneration and through his word. We become those that are called to live out a Christ-filled life in, in a marriage. Let me stop here and say, guys, uh, you know already that this is incredibly difficult, and I'll tell you, in the flesh, it's impossible. Without Christ, we wouldn't even have a desire, an understanding, or even an awareness of the need for this. I was clueless about the needs of my wife. Nobody ever took me aside and said, your wife needs to know that you love her, that you're with her, that you care for her, that, that you're there to support her, that you want to guide her in the right way. Nobody ever taught me that. I was clueless. And it wasn't until I became a follower of Christ. It wasn't until God began to transform me through his word, through his love, that I became aware of his calling in my life to love my wife differently than I'd ever loved her in all of our years together. And, and it's a process, guys. I don't have it down yet. It's, it's a journey. I'm still on that journey. I'm still learning more and more uh, about her. But loving her in that way is what we're called to do. And, and the good news is this isn't something we can do in ourselves. It isn't something that comes by the flesh. This is something that comes one way, by the power of God in us. Philippians 2.3 says this. It's impossible in the flesh, but with God all things are possible. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, God is stirring within us, creating within us the desire, creating within us the empowerment to do this. I love the Amplified Bible's translation of this. It says, Not in your own strength. I can't love my wife without Christ in me. It's an impossibility because without him, I just love myself. Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually. He's causing it to happen. He's at work to make it happen, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire. I now have a desire and a willingness and an ability to, to do things that I never could do before because of Christ in me. Without him, I would be the same old uh, dork slob that's uh, totally selfish. I would be. And, and this is the transforming power that God wants to release in every marriage in increasing ways, day by day, month by month, month, year by year, so that more and more the love of Christ reigns and rules in your lives and in your relationships. John Stott says it well. He sums it all up with the words uh, about Jesus his headship expresses care rather than control, responsibility rather than rule. Healthy spirit-led companionship—excuse me—healthy spirit-led relationships are not concerned with power or with what who, with who's in control. They are concerned with listen to this with Christ likeness. 
That's what this is all about. It's the place where sanctification occurs most powerfully and most importantly in our lives. You want to grow? Grow through learning to love your wife. Wives, learning to love your husbands in these same ways and pour out the love Christ has poured into you. I I want to kind of take us to three aspects of this love kind of as we wrap this message up. And the first one, the way this love operates is to have in focus, in mind, that we are leading our wives to greater holiness. A spiritual leader should lead his wife spiritually. There should be a focus, a direction. And and the text says it so well, speaking of what Jesus did. And he says, we're to be like Jesus so that he might, verse 27, present the church to himself in splendor without spot, wrinkle, or any other thing that she might be holy and without blemish. You know, as I pondered this passage and thought about this, I've come to the deeper conviction that my job, my primary job in this life and my marriage is to do all I can to encourage my wife's growth in Christ and in growth in Christ's likeness to do whatever I can to further that work in her life, to empower her, to pray for her, to encourage her, to walk alongside her, to do everything I can to equip her and empower her as God leads, directs, and empowers in my life that she would be before him spotless, without blemish or fault of any kind. You know, as I was thinking about this this morning, I I almost cried because I, I thought, you know, When we got married, she wore a white wedding dress to signify her purity. And I was thinking, if she goes to be with the Father before me, I'm going to ask her permission to bury her in her white wedding dress in the belief and conviction that somehow I helped further her, that she grew in her relationship with Christ because of my spiritual leadership. And and I don't say that pridefully or arrogantly because anything I've ever done in this marriage that has led to her advancement in the kingdom is him, Christ in me. Not me, Christ in me. But but I just thought that's the objective and goal of my life is, is to do all I can that she would be presented to Christ holy and blameless without spot or wrinkle. What a goal. I want to encourage us as men to, to look at our role in our marriages in, in, that, in, that, in that life. Is that a passion? Is that we're praying for? it? Is that something that, that, that we really feel called of God to do? So to present her holy uh, to the Lord. This is, this is the spiritual part of our relationship. The second thing is to love her uh, in a way that nourishes her and cherishes her. And, and this is kind of more in the emotional area. The text here in 28 and 30 says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I want to eat. I want to bathe, I want to shave, I want to brush my teeth, I want to go get some exercise, I want to take care of me because I cherish this body. And and I I, I want to learn more, and and I think we've learned to some degree that that's true, but, but I want to do that for her as well. I want to encourage her and cherish her and nurture her. 
to care for her and to feed her and clothe her and do all those things that lift her up. And, and, and to be that, that man who, who literally pays the kind of attention to her that brings forth uh, just a fullness in her of being accepted and valued and loved and affirmed. I believe the love that God wants to pour into us, has poured into us, will continue to pour into us, needs to flow through us as husbands into the lives of our wives in that way. So that there would never be a question in their minds that they are not nurtured by us and that they are not cherished by us. Again, I fall so far short. I can't do this. But Christ can change me. Christ can grow me. Christ can build the desire within me to want that to pray for that, to begin in little steps to give that to her. You know, I don't hate my flesh. Why, why would I not love her in the same way I love my own body? I, I, I read this during the week in prep time. Men care for their bodies even though they're imperfect. Any of you got flawed bodies, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can, you want to go through my list? No, you don't want to go through my list. But the reality is I still love my body. I still take care of it. And, and, and the idea here is, uh, wow, so should men care for their wives, though they are imperfect. You know, the love of God doesn't look at the person as an object and evaluates them whether they're worthy to be loved or not. It just loves. Loves what transforms. Loves what draws us to God. It's His love that, that, that accomplishes everything. We'll see a bit more of that in a moment. The, the, the third facet of this is to, to be transformed into one. This, this love is to become one flesh. This love is to lead and guide and develop within us the, the, the kind of oneness that is described in verses 31 through 32. There it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The, the word for hold fast is to be glued or welded together, to be joined inseparably, period, to hold fast to his life, to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and his church. There's something about Jesus leaving the Father and coming to earth to be with his church that's like this joining, this unity, this oneness that God wants to build into our marriages. Where, where we live in such a way that whatever affects one of us affects both of us. If my wife gets cancer, I have cancer. If my wife has a bad knee and, and can't do the things she used to do, I respect that and I work and adjust my life to match with her ability and what she's able to do. If my wife's hurting, I come alongside and try to give and nurture even more love, more affection, more attention during those times. It's, it's that being affected to a degree by whatever's affecting our spouse. And it's growing into that oneness. And, you know, I, I can't give you a big plan. I know it's happened to us. We've become more and more one. A lot of it was living in a 400-square-foot RV for five years. That was a lot of it. <laughs> We, we overcame a lot of things in that 400 square feet. 
But, but the reality is God has just drawn us together and, and God will draw you together as he promises by his power and his spirit and his word and, and you will become one flesh. What matters to each other or either one of you will become important to both of you. The desires one have, one has will become the desires of the other and, and this oneness will be such a blessing, such an encouragement, such a joy to live life that way. Um, it's a mystery for sure. It's mystical in some ways. It's a, it's a mutual love and loyalty and, and, and a submission and, and a love that, that just becomes more and more one, where the two are one. The two are one. You know, I, I know uh, some people that married principally for kids. Uh, but, but I want to remind you, kids are great. Kids are wonderful. Have all you want. No, no problem with that. But your primary relationship is this oneness that God calls you to cultivate with your wife. There'll be a day your kids will grow up and leave home, and the question will be, what then? The greatest marital dissatisfaction, if you look at charts about this kind of thing, is when the kids leave home. If they haven't built a marriage, there's nothing, there's nothing of a marriage left at that time. So this is to be going on through your life in spite of everything else that's happening around you, growing in this bond. It's a physical thing of coming together, enjoying time together, living together. Uh, I, I think the sexual side of, of the relationship is fulfilled finally and, and is a uh, part of this. We're going to spend some time on that at the seminar as well. But, but the reality is uh, that's why... Uh, it's, it's kind of the culmination, the ultimate expression of this in some ways. And, and it, it's why marriage is looked at in Scripture as permanent. It's, it's sacred. It's between a man and a woman for a lifetime. And any violation or deviation from that breaks the heart of God. And so build, build with this thought of, of encouraging your spouse in, in, in growth, in, in holiness, and in purity before the Lord, in being cherished and, and, and valued and nourished and becoming one. I believe that's what it's all about. The last verse in this passage says, and, and I want to spend a moment with it, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, this is just interesting that Paul put this in here because it just reiterates what the husband's to do, but what I love is what it says to the wife. Remember, I talked about a present active verb. Well, here it's present. It's to carry on, but it's passive. It's a response to love. When there's active love reaching out to a spouse, there is a respect that's returned. And uh, this is not a tit-for-tat deal. This is a spiritual, supernatural thing that women who are loved in this way will respond with the respect God calls you to respond with. And you will willingly order your life under that spiritual leadership. Powerful way to end this passage. So what do we do as men? Just uh, one thing. Love our wives. Love our wives. Understand that the scripture says the whole law is fulfilled with the word love, with the act of love. Galatians 5.14 says this, the whole law is fulfilled with one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love fulfills the law, the great commandment, love one another as I've loved you. And the reality is this is the spiritual leadership role of a husband in a, in a home. It will bless the wife and the family to love in that way. It's a love we can't do. 
Absolutely, without Christ and without being saved, without being uh, empowered and led by the Spirit to desire to do that and then be empowered to go do that. Philippians 2.13, He works in us to both will and do. So it's Him working in us. It's us recognizing we can't do it without Him. So it's submit and surrender to Him, praying to Him that He would help us love our wives in a way that would lead us to that place where we love them in such a way that we put a high value on their holiness and their purity and and their sacredness and and their love for God. And and building and doing all we can to to provide the, the cherishing and nurturing that God wants us to provide as men for our wives and to become one in Him. To become one in Him to express and experience the mystery of what Christ experienced with the church, to experience it in a human relationship, growing more and more as one. It's an amazing thing. Let's pray. God, Father, I've gleaned this week from this passage that the marriage relationship is the most important, most significant human relationship we will ever have on this earth. And God, you've laid out a path to overcome the curse of the judgment that fell on us because of sinfulness, Uh, fighting for control, fighting for priority, failing because of some other love in this world of work or whatever to not provide the spiritual leadership needed. God, I pray for the men in this room today with all my heart that, Lord, somehow your words in this passage would grip their hearts in a way that would open their eyes to see that you've called them to continually, sacrificially love their wives as you power empower them. You change the desires and affections of their heart to be more and more to be that sacrificial lover of their wives. I, I pray that they would see this calling and this love to bring forth uh, just a, a Christ-likeness in their wives a desire in their wives to know you more and more, to serve you more and more, to walk more and more in the fullness of your truth and grace. And God defined the wonder of, of love as nurture and cherish in our lives, caring for each other, being one in each, with each other, as, and being impacted by whatever happens in life. God, I just pray that you do a deep work in these relationships represented here and across uh, this church family. And God, we, we just do it for one reason, that you and you alone would be exalted, that our lives would so radiate the love of Christ, God, that whoever's around us could not help but seeing that you're being glorified in this relationship. You're being honored by the way we honor and care for and love each other. So to that end, I pray, God, for your glory and your glory alone.